So, yeah. All right. Enough of that. First Thessalonians 5, verse 1. Paul says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you are not in but you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath. I want to repeat that again. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort one another and edify one another, even as you also do. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, A Thief in the Night. I'm going to ask Preacher Larry if he'll uh, pray for us this morning. Our Father, we thank you that we can draw past this morning. Especially as the Apostle sung through lesson this morning, we thank the Lord that we have the privilege of studying your word. We need your word. We pray, Father, that you help us to heed your word and apply it to each of our lives. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Now bless us as we worship, Lord. We praise you this day for your blessed life. Lead us in all that we do. We ask in God's name. Amen. Thank you. All right, let's go to the first slide. <clears throat> now, the interesting thing about 1 Thessalonians is in every chapter of the book, there is a reference to the coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, the, first, the first chapter uh, ends with verse 10. It says that Jesus delivered us from the wrath to come. And we're to wait for him. As you, as you study this, I want you to notice, the Bible never tells us to look for the Antichrist. Never. We're never told to watch out for this guy or that guy. Um, but we're to wait for Jesus. And he delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, if you're saved, you've already been delivered from hell. I, let me say that again. If you're saved, you have already been delivered from hell. Praise God. When you were justified, that's what that word justified, it means you were declared righteous. And when God declares you righteous, that's the final word. I mean, there's no instance in the Bible where you become unjustified. Now, you might be unsanctified. I think I was last night when I was watching the football game. But, <laughs> uh, but you can't be unjustified. No, I didn't cuss, in case you were wondering. I didn't. <laughs> I did kick the dog a few times. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't kick the dog. All right. So, but we're delivered from the wrath to come. This is future, okay? Well, what wrath is there to come? The tribulation period, folks. The second chapter of Thessalonians, he talks about our crown of rejoicing. Man, and as I look around the room, if my desire comes to pass, you guys will be my crown of rejoicing in heaven. 
and I'll be yours. And what a glorious thing. And when are we going to get that crown? At the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 3 says that we are to establish our hearts uh, unblameable in holiness at the coming of our Lord Jesus. All right, let's go to the next slide. Now, chapter 4 is the quintessential rapture passage. It describes the program of the rapture. Verse 16, for the Lord himself. Aren't you glad he's not going to send somebody else? He's not going to send some dignitary. He's going to come himself, just like he promised in the upper room. He said, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout. There are some people that teach that the rapture is a secret, you know, and they, they ridicule us. They say, well, the Bible, doesn't, uh, the Bible doesn't teach a secret rapture. I agree with you. The Bible says that when Jesus comes, it's going to be with a shout. It's going to be with a shout. Now, what is he going to shout? I don't know. But he's going to shout. And with the voice of the archangel, that's Michael, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, now why are they going to rise first? I don't know. Maybe they need a head start because they're six feet under. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, they're going to rise first. They're not going to miss out. Then we, notice Paul says we, we which are alive and remain shall be called up. Now, this is the rapture, folks. The Greek word is harpazo. And some are so bent out of shape. Well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, maybe not. In the English version, it is in the Latin, by the way, which is before the King James, the Latin Vulgate. The word rapture is there. But the word harpazo, is the, it is the doctrine of the rapture. It means the catching away. So if you don't want to call it the rapture, I don't care. Call it the harpazo or call it the catching away. And there are numerous instances of that in the Scripture. And the Lord, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Not on the earth. When he comes to the earth, he's coming to judge the world. But we're going to meet him in the air. Now, try as you may, you cannot make the rapture and the second coming the same thing. In order to do that, you've got to do the ram, cram, and jam method of the Bible. Make it all, just jumble it all together. And when you do that, it doesn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> ram, jam, and cram. I, I, that's not original. I stole that from somebody else. Now, notice he ends the chapter by saying, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The rapture is a comfort. You know? Now, these, these Christians were already suffering. I haven't got time to get into that this morning. But the Thessalonians were already enduring a lot of persecution. So, if they thought that they were about to go through the wrath of God and the tribulation period, they're already suffering. Paul would say, well, now, guys, if you think it's bad, just sit tight. It's fixing to get a whole lot worse. But he doesn't. He says, comfort one another because the Lord is coming. Now, again, no mention of Antichrist, right? We're looking for the Lord. Next slide. Then we get to chapter 5. In verse 1, he says, but of the times and the seasons, you have no need that I write unto you. Now, the word time is chronos, or we get chronology, and the word seasons is kairos, not to be confused with Cairo, syrup, syrup, but kairos. Now, these all are uh, basically Jewish terms. Daniel 2 talks about times and seasons. Remember in Acts chapter 1, uh, after the uh, ascension of Jesus, 
well, right before he ascended, what did the, what did the disciples ask him? Acts 1, verse uh, 6. They said, are you going to, at this time, restore the kingdom? Now, what were the Jews looking for? Were they looking for the rapture? No. Kingdom. This is so crucial that you understand this. In the mind of the Jew, all they could think about is kingdom, 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 kingdom. And that's why they had such a hard time with Jesus. Because they're expecting him to set up the kingdom. Not to go to the cross and die. And they said, Lord, are you going to set up the kingdom now? And what did Jesus say? He said, yes, in about, uh, in about six weeks we're going to set up the kingdom. Is that what he said? No. He said, it is not for you to know the chronos or the kairos, which the Father had put it in his own, uh, under his own authority. Matthew 24 says, even the Son, you know, the, uh, of that day knoweth no man, not the angels, of, uh, but my Father only. Setting dates is an exercise in futility. Everybody that's ever tried to predict the rapture has been wrong. Everybody. And they will continue to be wrong. Nobody knows. But there's big business in that stuff, you know. Big business in it. All right, let's go to the next slide. Paul in Thessalonica. It's actually pronounced Thessaloniki. That's how they pronounce it. But old habits die hard, so let's just go with Thessalonica. Um, let's look at Acts 17, shall we? Let's, uh, yeah, let's do. Everybody's getting nervous now. Adam, your voice is getting better. Your voice is getting better, so I'm going to call on you again. Acts 17. Let's look at Paul's experience in Thessalonica, verses 1 through 9. Would you read that for us? Now, I don't, say that again. Hold the mic. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came up to Thessalonica, where they was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had suffered and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I preached to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas but the Jews who were not persuaded becoming envious took some of the evil men from the marketplace gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring out of uh, the people but when they did not find them they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city crying out these who have turned the world upside down have come to here too Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. Oh, excuse me, sorry. And they, troubled in, and they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they had heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. All right. And you thought you had a bad day. No. Paul, that, this is his methodology. Whenever he goes to a new place, he goes to the synagogue, he preaches to the Jews first, and most of them are going to reject him, and then he's going to 
you know, have to go to the Gentiles, and then they're going to run him out of town. So Paul's going to leave Thessalonica, then he's going to go to Berea, then he's going to go to Athens. And these people in Thessalonica, they're going to come after him in Berea. Uh, they were real persistent. So it's, it's interesting to read there, but, but there, there are just a few things I want to mention of, of this. Now, the Bible only mentions he was there for three uh, Sabbath days. Now, he may have been there for several months, but not much more than that. But in that time, that brief time that he was there, he taught them everything about the end times. And, and the reason I bring that out is because there's some people who say, well, you shouldn't talk about Bible prophecy. Uh, you shouldn't teach new believers about it. But Paul taught these new believers stuff that I hadn't taught you in four and a half years. Now, shame on me. You, you may already know it, but shame on me. So for those of you who may be thinking, well, what's the purpose in all this? I'm going in the rapture. Why do I care? Well, Paul thought it was important, and he taught all these believers. Uh, so, you know, that's why I'm going to be talking about it, and, I, and I'm not going to apologize for it. All right, next slide. He says, yourselves know perfectly. Well, how do they know perfectly? Because he taught them. That the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Boy, so much abuse has been uh, su uh, suffered with this, this particular phrase, thief in the night. I think Kiss had a song years ago, th like a thief in the night. And there was a movie. Did anybody see the movie they made years and years ago, Thief in the Night? It's about the end times and the rapture. Um, it was not the highest quality uh, acting. And, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm going to suggest to you today that God is not going to come on the church like a thief in the night. He's not. Now, first thing we have to understand is that the day of the Lord is not the rapture. Folks read this and they say, oh, day of the Lord's rapture. Not so. This is an Old Testament concept. Okay? This is the first letter that Paul wrote, by the way, 1 Thessalonians. And so most of what Paul preached to the people, guess where he preached out of? Anybody want to take a guess? The Old Testament. That was the Bible of the first century church. Okay? So the day of the Lord in the Old Testament always refers to the tribulation period. I've got a bunch of references here, um, and I'm not going to read them all. But um, Joel 1 says, The last for the day of the Lord is coming as, as a destruction from the Almighty. Uh, Amos 5.18 says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. It is a day of darkness and not light. Um, Malachi 4 or 5, uh, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I've got a bunch of scriptures up here. If you want a copy of this, I'll email it to you. I'll be glad to do that. But the day of the Lord is not the rapture. It always describes the tribulation period. Now, let's think about this logically, too. Um, the church was a mystery uh, in the Old Testament. It was not revealed until Paul. Um, Think about this, too. Um, is a thief coming to your house, is that a good thing? Does, does a thief give you any advance warning? 
does he does he text you and say you know about three o'clock I'm going to come if you just have your stuff go ahead and put it on the porch and make it easy for us does he do that no why there's the element of surprise there because he's coming to do you harm okay so what should be obvious to you is that the thief motif is that something bad is going to happen judgment um so let's go to the next slide now um and i kind of just i preached ahead of myself there <laughs> that's okay but when christ comes for the church he's not coming as a thief he's coming as a bridegroom there's two separate things when christ comes to the earth he's coming to judge the world but when he comes for us it's for a wedding it's for uh for the church as a bridegroom all right let's go to the next slide these are just flying through all right we're all about pronouns these days aren't we he him she her they them listen if you identify as a they you've already told me i don't need to have a conversation with you because you're terribly confused you're terribly confused but or it yeah pay attention to your pronouns though paul was a master of uh, language now notice what he says in verse 3 for when they shall say peace and safety not you but then then comes sudden destruction upon who them and who shall not escape them they um when are they going to say peace and safety anybody know when the antichrist confirms the covenant and they've been wanting to build this temple for all these years and he's going to give them that that's the white horse rider in the first seal when the second seal uh is open the red horse rider comes and it says he takes away peace from the earth and again we see the birth pain motif we went through that last week let's go to the next slide he says but you brothers you not they not them but you are not in darkness we are of the day the day of the lord joel says amos says is a day of darkness and as such you and i have no part in that that's why paul says i don't need to write to you about this number one because you don't you'll not you're not going to know the day or the hour but number two it has nothing to do with you next slide so what are we going to do well, we're not going to sleep we're going to be awake we're going to be alert we're going to put on the armor of god and i would suggest we need to put on the whole armor <sighs> i like this one the bible says we need to encourage one another and build each other up whenever you have anything to say you need to ask yourself this question is this going to build this person up or tear them down prophecy should not make us stare at the sky 
but it should motivate us to live for the Lord and to share our faith. Let's go to the next slide. It says, we've not been appointed to wrath. Well, what has the whole context of chapter 5 been about so far? The day of what? The Lord. The tribulation. Well, what does Paul say? We have not been appointed to that. Amen? This is proof of the pre-trib rapture. Because we have not been appointed to wrath. Let's go to the next slide. We're almost done. Notice Paul says he died for us. He died for us, folks. Jesus wasn't killed for anything he had done. He died for us. When Jesus died on that cross almost 2,000 years ago, every person in this room was on his mind. You say, even me? Oh, yes, especially you. Jesus said, the very hairs on your head are numbered. He says, there's not even a sparrow that falls to the ground that he doesn't know about. You've heard the song, but I want to say it again. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross, folks. He could have called for legions of angels if he'd wanted to. He could have just spoken and been delivered in an instant. But it was his love for you and for me that held him to that cross. And he didn't just suffer physical death. I believe the Bible teaches he took upon himself the wrath of God that I rightly deserve. He died for you and for me. And he rose again, praise God. He rose again. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, nothing else matters, folks. Now, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, nothing matters. If he didn't rise from the dead, life is meaningless. But if he rose from the dead, life has meaning. Your life has purpose. Let's go to the last slide. Music to your ears, amen? A world headed toward wrath. I shared this with you last week. If these statistics are true, it means almost 70% of the world is about to go to hell. That's frightening. 70% of the world is about to enter into the tribulation period. Maybe that number may be higher. When was the last time you prayed for somebody to get saved? When was the last time you witnessed to your unsaved co-worker, your neighbor, spouse, child? You say, well, they'll think I'm a 
creek. Who cares? On that day, you're not going to care what anybody thinks about you. Only what God thinks. There's a world that's headed to the tribulation period where over half the world's population will be extinct before it's even half over with. Where will you be? Would you stand? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. He died, he was buried, he rose again. And if you believe that in your heart, if you trust Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, his promise is he will forgive you and he will save you. And your name will be written out in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you don't have to worry about the tribulation period or hell or any of those other unpleasant things. But you can enjoy fellowship with